Leaving Las Vegas contains strong opinions and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. I think if people don't do their research when they listen to my podcast, fuck them. Listen to me, yeah. go do your research, and then come back and tell me I'm full of shit. It's not on me to do your work for you. So, what did you want to talk about again? Go Am I going? Am I in? Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. I just wanted to talk about heavy metal um, because in the last couple of weeks I went to a couple of shows that were really different shows um, between The Buried of Me and Life of Agony. But at both of those shows, because they're bands that I've loved for a long time and they mean various different things to me, you go, you go in a deep dive thought process and you, you, know, get, you get quite psychological when you're watching a, a show of a band that you've loved for a long time and that you've been on a journey together and stuff. And... Um, the first one was Between the Buried and Me. That So Between the Buried and Me are like a really, really technical, mathematical, de like, deathcore band. Yeah. Death it's, like, it's like math rock, but for death metal. Yeah, yeah, it's like math rock, death metal. Yeah. But they're, over the years, it's been, I think it's been like 19 years since they released the album Colours, and Colours has gone on to become my favourite heavy metal album of all time. It's absolutely, without question, the album that I'll go to the gym or if I can't sleep or if I need to G myself up to have sex or, you know, like it's just my go-to. It does everything for me, except I don't really like the vocals. I don't think he's a very good growler um, and I don't really know what it's about. And I was working in Stevenage, I was working on a movie production manager in a movie, when someone said to me, Between the Buried and Me are playing in London and they're doing a three-hour set tonight. And I was at work and we, you know, we got like 6 a.m. starts, 7 a.m. starts on this film. And I'm like, guys, I've got to go to London because Between the Buried and Me are doing a three-hour set. And then when I, when I was on the way down on the train, I was listening to Colours and I was thinking... This is my number one favourite heavy metal album of all time, my absolute go-to. I've only ever seen them maybe twice before. Once was on my 40th birthday in France with my ex-girlfriend. And I didn't even know they were playing. My number one all-time absolute favourite heavy metal album of all time, I didn't even know they were playing. So then I was like, well, how am I that out of touch? And then I'm so excited to be going. And then when I get there... The crowd was, it was just really unusual and striking in that it was, there were no band t-shirts and there were no devil horns. There's guys in suits, there's guys in shirts, there's a few guys in band t-shirts, there's some drunks with long hair, but there's some crew cuts, there's some gym bods, there's some tattooed people, there's some pierced people, but then there's some clean people. And it was just this really odd, weird mix of people because it's really odd, unusual music. And the other thing that really struck me was, it was mostly guys on their own. There were very few women, I, I would say it was a 10 to one ratio easily, and there were very few gangs of guys drinking together. It was people like me who'd found out they were playing and had to go, and maybe one other person would go with them. And that made me realize that it's a band that and it was busy. It was it maybe wasn't uh, sold out, but it was the ballroom, so it's five hundred people. 
and it was it made me realize that this is a band that those people don't tell their mates about or their mates don't get and then i thought about the 10 years that i was djing clubs and in probably five of those years i was in love with this band but never never once have i ever played them in the club because their songs are eight minutes long and they're really discordant and really crazy and then i was thinking that when you know when they started playing and they started playing a song and they'd play a song off colors and i'd be like i don't know when the drop is i don't know if it's this bit or this bit and normally with a metal song you know when you're going to go and you know when it's going to overtake you and then i realized that not only can I not sing one of their, not one of the songs off of Colours from beginning to end, because I don't know it yet, even though I've listened to it a thousand times, but the guy next to me on my right is getting off to a completely different part of the song to the guy on my left, and it's never coalescing into a drop or a groove or a circle pit or any of those things. It's just 500 individual guys all having their own individual moments with individual bits of individual songs. And I've never experienced that at a metal show. There's always the finger pointy bit or the jumpy uppy downy bit or the run round in circles bit. And you just, you've, they do it occasionally and when they do it, it's majestic and huge and bigger than anyone else will ever do it. And then they whip it away from you as quick as it came. And I was just like, why is this my favorite album of all time when I don't actually know any of the songs? And then, and then I just got, and then I was like, what's this guy getting out of it? And what's that guy getting out of it? And then they played one of their older songs, which is a bit more groovy, called More of Myself to Kill. And I went off. And I remember I went off and I went flying into these two guys. And the guy on my right threw, flipped his drink over me and it was a JD and Coke. And I was like, oh, I recognize that smell from a mosh pit. And then the guy on my left, threw his drink over me and it was like a peach melba cocktail thing and i was like this schizophrenic concoction of men has no coherence other than we're all on our own and we're all white and we're all probably alone in some way and we're and then i'm like and then i was like we're in this church of absolute excellence and we're all here because this band is at the absolute pinnacle of their talent and Danny Carey the drummer from Tool said in some magazine you know if you want to look for drummers who are operating at the level that we're talking about Blake Richardson from Between the Buried and Me is just mm. that's the guy and, and he's got a YouTube channel where he just plays the songs just plays the drums gets three million hits you know just in play and it and they on oh, when they're playing live his drums are raised up because they're just playing at the absolute pinnacle of their ability and what it, what it made me think was I was at a positive incel event because I'm in, I'm involuntary celibate. I want to get so I want to get laid, and I want to date. But the reason I can't is because I'm in recovery from my post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I get a little bit emotional. So I can't put myself on a woman because I know that I'm toxic at the moment. So I'm having to remove myself from the gene pool, despite being lonely and despite being horny, because I know that I'm not good for anyone until I get my head right. So I'm an I'm involuntary celibate, but I don't take it out on anyone. I don't think women are the problem. I go on, now if you want to interrupt. Well, I'm just, I'm saying that sounds like you've made a decision, which is a voluntary celibacy. No, it's not, because I really want to get laid, but I can't do it without hurting someone. Yeah, but 
the whole incel thing, and I totally get what no, you're saying. Yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. So, from. Well, yeah. The whole incel thing. I know is, what incel. We don't have to. Do yeah. it. Everybody knows what incel is. But where I'm going with this is, okay, because there is, you know, there is a, a join the dots thought pa- pattern. Is that it felt to me like when men know that they can't connect with people, or they're a bit lonely, or they're a bit different, but they don't want to do the things that some of the darker men do where they take it out on people or they get angry with them. They know it's not women's fault. They know that the patriarchy is in control. They know that they're entitled. They dive into excellence. And that you see this at metal shows. Between the Buried and Me are the absolute pinnacle of musicality. And the guys in the crowd all felt like they were there to worship at the altar of male excellence and channel it into some positive appreciation of the patriarchy rather than go into the corners of the internet and, and get really angry and mean. And it, that's kind of why I felt I was there. I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to be a negative impact in society, but I am. I consider myself in this really minor infraction of super entitled white men who's fallen through the cracks because I have a mental illness and I come from poverty. So there aren't really any programs for me because I'm not considered, you know, a, 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 the diverse crowd, but I don't have the entitlements. I do have many of the entitlements, but I don't have all the entitlements that people think that I have because I don't have a father, I don't have, you know, I'm not going to inherit any money to get a deposit on that. You know, it's, I'm fending for myself with none of the support systems, but I still know that I've got it better than if I was black or if I was gay, but I'm just sort of in this narrow slither where it's like, I feel like I can't complain because I know I'm entitled, but at the same time, no one's helping me. Not my family, not the government, you know, not the, the social justice warriors. There's nobody looking out for the, the white guy who hasn't been given anything, who is just trying to be a good guy. And I'm not, you know, I'm not always a good guy. I do make mistakes. I do lie to people. I do manipulate people. I fuck up. But I'm trying. I'm really, really trying. And there are a lot of those guys killing themselves, like a lot of white guys who are trying to make it work and it ain't working, and they can't see their kids, and they're just killing themselves. You know, male suicide between 40 and 50 is the second highest killer Mm. after cancer or whatever. And I felt like in this church of excellence, everyone could just appreciate the greatness of white men because they were watching people excel and really appreciate. And it just seemed like this really unique thing. And then that got me thinking about, oh, that came back to me when I went to this gig last night, which was Life of Agony, which is very different. These guys are not masters of their craft. These are raw, emotional, fucked up kids who picked up a guitar and a drum kit and a microphone because their life in Brooklyn or the Bronx or wherever they're from, Queens, I think it's Queens, was shit, you know, with heroin addicted fathers and mothers and, and they just let it all out and beat the drums. And it was raw emotion, and that pit brought together um, people who just could take all of that pain and all of that suffering and just slam their bodies into each other for 45 minutes and get it out of their system. 
And that got me thinking last night that the mosh pit is a positive incel movement that has more or less gone from society. I'm not saying there isn't misogyny and anger and, and, and all testosterone and violence in a mosh pit, but you know where the mosh pit is. It's at the front of the stage and you don't have to go there unless you've got something to get out of your system. And the mosh pit has kind of gone. I've gone to quite a lot of metal shows this year and you've got, you know, security will shut it down. If you stage dive, you're out. If you crowd surf, you're out. There'll be uh, festivals, there'll be barriers in the middle to break mm. the crowds up. And obviously that's for our own safety and they have diffused the mosh pit. And now we've got a generation later where it doesn't really exist in the really quite dangerous way that it used to have for us. But where have those guys gone? They've gone to Reddit and 8chan and video games and, you know, the, the Gamergate movement. And they've got this rage that in our day, there was a place for, to get this out amongst your brethren and then hug it out rather than, you know, instead of becoming a really toxic drain on society that has kind of been removed now. Well, I mean, it, it, I, I kind of agree with you in, in one way that when we were going to the island in Ilford, yeah. there was Fifth Avenue that was like the next club over. Yeah. And, it, you know, people would come out of the island and there'd never really be any trouble at the club. No, it'd be afterwards when you get into the normal society. Yeah, and then yeah. it would always be the, the guys coming from the club, Fifth Avenue, yeah. from the club next door and starting on all the... Yeah, because they the hadn't pulled. Kids. Yeah, because yeah. that was the, you know, go out, get drunk, have a fight. But what we did well, is... Go, we no, it was go out, get drunk, pull, but the guys who were still there at 2am were the ones who were really drunk and hadn't pulled. Yeah. And then it's like, let's have a fight. There's some alternative kids. We're coming out sweaty and smiling yeah. because we've got all of that shit out of our system. Yeah. And we haven't been a toxic drain on anyone. And then we're smiling on the way home and some drunk, pent-up guy who doesn't have that outlet just batters you. Mm. And yeah, and that happened to us time and time again. I saw a guy get claw hammered outside the fucking, a bald guy get claw hammered by someone from Stopouts. And, you know, I don't know if he died, but I saw his head fucking burst open. Yeah. And, and we never had that. You just got it out in the pit. There was this, it, you know, the pit is a violent, dangerous, angry place. And if a woman gets in, she's going to get groped and stuff. But you know where it is. It's ring fenced off by a bunch of burly tattooed guys. Mm. And you, if you go in there, you, you know, you understand the contract that you're making with your teeth. You know, they were two very different shows for de very different reasons. One was very emotional and one was very scientific, but they played into this, what, you know, what I called this positive incel outlet where, you know, the island wasn't a place to go and pull. The island was a place to go and jump up and down and sweat and go, rah, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And if you pulled, bonza. You know, what a tree. And you did actually get girls go there because the big sweaty men who are letting it all out was very attractive to them in a law of the jungle kind of way. So, you know, it filtered through and we all got laid. But that wasn't the primary purpose. And they liked the music. Nah, they were just there for the testosterone. It was in the air, man. You could pluck it. No, of course, of course. I'm, yeah, I'm obviously stereotyping. But yeah, it just, I really wanted to get my thought process yeah. out that it was so what's what's the next stage of that if we identified that you think that there is um there is there are people more and more people falling through the cracks and not being able to um you not being able, do you know what you have you have a thunderdome at every gig 
you have a Thunderdome at every gig at the front mm. where the rules are stated like a UFC cage and it's like this is the Thunderdome like if Slayer are playing on the stage you, if, if you go in there and you get your teeth knocked out that's on you because it's yeah. the Thunderdome but it's there for you if you really need to let that rage out but I mean isn't this exactly what came out was predicted out of um, Fight Club yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Fight Club, but Fight Club is what started as a positive incel movement became a negative incel movement. Mm. Whereas actually, what happened was with heavy metal, which I think was a really positive incel movement. Obviously, it was pre-internet, so you never know if it would have gone that way anyway. But what happened is it was health and safety regulated out mm. of existence. Yeah, there was something that you were getting from, or we were getting as a society from that mosh pit, and it's no longer there. Does it have to be that, or can this be something else? No, it could be. It could be anything. You know, you. It probably happens at hip hop shows. It probably happens at the library. There's probably an art positive in. So you know, it, it's. Oh, that's just my frame of reference. Yeah, that's all then, I have. But then, how how do we like target that that group and offer them something? that will benefit them the same way that they Well, I've did. been looking for 10 years and nothing replaces the mosh pit. There's, no, there's nothing out there that gives you... I mean, there is, there's Thai kickboxing clubs, but it's not to music. You know, there is... There's, there is you, you will never experience the likes of stage diving in the mid-90s and, you know, knocking some kid out and having your brains knocked out and then being pulled back up again and you're semi-conscious but the music's still going so you free it's completely irresponsible dangerous reckless exhilarating behavior that floods your body with testosterone and endorphin and just makes you go feral but in a safe controlled environment with your buddies who are all going feral too like i i have no idea what the the running of the balls in Pamplona? I don't know. There's there's it, it will never see its like again until we get back to sticks and stones on the battlefield because that's what you're recreating that biological hunter gatherer fucking alpha male outlet, but to a wicked beat, you know, a cracking beat down. It's just there's I've you know I've snowboarded, I've scuba dived, I've driven race cars, I've had a threesome. There's nothing like the thrill of the drop from fuck you, I won't do what you tell, killing in the name of, and 500 guys just slamming you to the floor. You know, so fuck knows. Just more violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I just wanted to get that out. No problem. It's great. Boom. Leaving Las Vegas starred Craig Tuey and Colin Wallace and was produced by Craig Tuey and Colin Wallace. Audio post-production and sound design by Sam Matt Dempsey. I'm not afraid to